Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. So we want to thank HEV for making today's podcast possible. HEV makes it a priority to get involved and make a difference in the lives of friends and neighbors. HEB Operation Appreciation is a company-wide campaign created to honor the brave men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces, men and women who are HEB partners and customers, friends, and family. Operation Appreciation partners with organizations like us, the Military Child Education Coalition that supports U.S. troops and their families. In contributing time, talent, and financial support, HEB recognizes and appreciates the dedication and sacrifices service members make on behalf of the nation. So for our listeners in Texas, check out one of your neighborhood HEB grocery stores. And HEB, thank you for sponsoring this podcast for the sake of the child. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Susan Sellers. I'm a spouse of an active duty service member, parent to three military kids, master parent-to-parent educator, and now a podcast host at the Military Child Education Coalition. Today, we're going to talk about National Guard families, and joining me are two dynamic ladies, Anne Haston and Barbara Livingston. Barbara Livingston has been a military spouse for over 40 years. As the wife of Major General Retired Robert E. Livingston, Jr., Barbara has worked with military families and organizations that support troops and their families. She served on the boards of the Employer Support of the Guard and Reserve, the USO, Ed Adventure, and Youth Challenge. She is also on the board of the South Carolina National Guard Foundation and chairs the support committee of the foundation. Ann Haston and her military spouse, Major General Retired Max Haston, has spent the last 40 years dedicated to military families, particularly those in the Tennessee National Guard. After nine years as the Adjutant General of Tennessee, Max recently has retired and the Hastons are transitioning again. As a military spouse and mother, Ann has volunteered with AIM High Tennessee, Daughters of the American Revolution, Tennessee National Guard's J-9 Family Programs and Youth Action Council, as well as several other organizations. As a child and youth advocate since 1997 and as a military retired spouse, Anne continues to advocate for the force behind the force, the military child and family, by engaging community-based support for these military families. Ladies, it truly is an honor to have you both on the show today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So from your bios, our listeners can tell you both have a lot of experience with the National Guard community. Can you share what are some of the changes you've witnessed for the National Guard families during your tenure with the Guard? For me, the change has been the addition of the families into the National Guard community. When my husband and I joined the National Guard, and I say we joined, we were married at the time. We had just gotten married. And so I, I started with basic individual individual training with him and uh, right on up to his um, term as the adjutant general. When we began our journey, there really wasn't a lot of involvement 
by the families. As I tell people, it was kind of like having being part of a club that you didn't know the password to get into. We didn't really participate in things with the guard except maybe a Christmas dinner or something every year. That has slowly changed, and it's a retention tool for the National Guard that they are really beginning to pick up on. If the family's involved and the family's happy and the family knows what's going on, they're a lot more likely to want their soldier or airman to re-up when their when their service commitment is up and stay in the guard, as opposed to saying, you know, we never get to have time with you, so why don't you think about stepping back from the guard? I tell uh, young commanders the most important thing they can do is when they have a promotion ceremony for the lowest soldier or airman, you know, up to colonel. They need to invite the families to those ceremonies because they're normally done during drill. And the the family doesn't know there's been a promotion of their loved one until that loved one comes home and goes, hey, I was just promoted to captain. So it's just all about including us in in, as much as they can. I know they can't include us in the training that, that we get, but it's the other stuff that means a lot to the families to know what their service member is doing um, in support of their state and their nation. Yes, Barbara, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. I think that is a great insight that you had. And what would you like to share? Thank you, Susan. I agree with all the comments that Barbara made about how families are considered an important part of the service these days, and that was not the case when we were married to our young soldiers. But I also would like to mention that the dual mission of the National Guard has not changed, and the National Guard will deploy around the world and then come home and deploy at home for blizzards, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes. So they do have that state mission in addition to their federal deployment requirements. And as the National Guard has become much more involved as the total force with the Army and the air, the demands for deployment seem to be constant. So the support of our families are just vital these days. And I think with the total force and with the demands of today's Army and Air Force, we see a lot more geographically dispersed families. They're no longer stationed or living in the community where the armory is. They can have to travel for hours to drill, which means their families are isolated from the unit in which they serve. So family really is vital. I agree with you, Liddy, so much. I, I think we have a, a, a saying that a lot of us have heard in the military. If families are happy, then soldiers can focus on their job. And if your families are struggling, it makes it even more challenging for our, our guardsmen, our active duty, anybody in the military to, to focus on the mission at, ahead. And both of you ladies have spent lots of time in the military. I know we mentioned your bios over the last 40 years. Would you please share with our listeners your thoughts or advice on maintaining a healthy family? Um, The healthy family is so vital because families are the force behind the force. And our soldiers and airmen, our warriors, can't do what they need to do to protect our state and our nation if 
they don't have family support at home. So I believe good communication is key between the family members and between the family members and the unit. And also staying connected with other family members. You may not even realize that you need that connection, but it truly is vital to have a relationship with someone who's walking the same path that you're walking as a family member. And then the third thing I guess I would mention is sometimes when you have someone deployed, the best thing you can do is serve others because it takes your mind off of your own family dynamic and makes you realize that there are others in need as well. So we encourage our um, spouses, our family members to volunteer not only with the unit to reach out to others in the unit, but we also encourage them to volunteer for veteran service organizations in their community. Not only does it help them, but it raises awareness in the community that there are National Guard families in that hometown. Well, I think that's very well said. And Barbara, you concluded as utilizing the five S. Can you expand on that advice for our families? Sure. My husband and I, when we were working to develop what we call our service member and family care, came up with the five Fs. And we feel like with those five Fs, if you can have a balance with them, that your life will be more in balance. And, and this is the way I list them. This is an importance to me. But it's faith, family, friends, finances, which includes a job, and fitness. And we've developed programs around those five Fs to make sure that our National Guard families can maintain a balance in life and focus not on worrying about, do I have a job? Is there enough money? You know, who's going to help me with my kids? You know, things like that. If, if there are resources available for them while our service members are deployed, then they can focus on the things that, you know, are really, really, really important in life and not have the stress and the struggle of worrying about how am I going to make it, you know, through the next day. So we've built programs around each one of the five Fs so that when service members have a need, they can come to the Guard and find resources to help them through it. We don't try to do it for them. That's one thing we realize we can't raise our National Guard families like we'd like to raise our family. They have to raise themselves. And in order to raise themselves, they've got to have the things that they need to make their life complete, available, and resources to help them make their, their life right. Barbara, I think that is great advice both from you and and um, great for any military family, whether you're active duty or National Guard. And we are going to talk about some of those specific resources for National Guardsmen a little bit later on in the podcast. We also have educators and community leaders that listen to our show. What would you want them to know about National Guard families? You know, the one thing that I think catches a lot of people off guard is the um, existence of National Guard families. In the state of South Carolina, we've got about 10,800 Army and Air service members. We have a population in our state of about 5 million people, and it's dispersed among 46 counties. So we have, by the numbers, a service member living in every county that we have in our state, 46 counties. It might just be one. 
it might be 10, it might be 100. It just depends on the, the density of that county. And I think what most people don't realize is they see us every day. The families, we don't wear uniforms, we don't have ribbons, but you see us in the grocery store. Our kids dance with your kids at dance studios, play on your soccer team and baseball team with your other kids. We go to school with your children, but you would never, ever be able to recognize us unless we tell you, you know, that we are members of the Guard. And when our loved one steps away, our, you know, our life is out of balance. Well, you would never know that unless you know who we are. To recognize a Guardsman who has a job five days a week, most of them, that, that, that's hard too because they step away. They're the banker, the, the lawyer, the, the guy that sells you your car tires, your mechanic, your plumber. And they step away from those businesses and leave a void while they're gone and then step back in. So our, our families and our, our service members are continually stepping between military service and the community. Um, and so uh, we're, we're really unrecognizable until that loved one steps away. And even then, a lot of people don't know because we just we, we, we carry on um, and push through and make sure that our family is taken care of while our loved ones are gone. And is there anything else you'd like to add in, particularly with the Tennessee Guards family that you've, you've observed? Barbara has covered it quite well, but I will say that in Tennessee we have almost 14,000 members of our Army and Air National Guard scattered across a very long state. Um, we have 95 counties, and we know that there are guardsmen in every zip code across our state. We have armories in, I believe it's 84 out of the 95 counties. So we have quite a presence, but like Barbara said, we're we're invisible at times. And I know that families, especially our youth in the schools, can feel quite isolated in school because they can't see who their military-connected peers are. So being in every zip code, being in every school district is a strength, but it also can be a challenge to our National Guard families. They're very resilient, but they do need the support of the community, and especially in school, they need the support and understanding of the educators. Well, I think you both bring up great points about our National Guard families, and I was so surprised to hear how many guardsmen were actually in South Carolina and Tennessee, and, and one of the points that you made really resonates, and it's that they're not always visible. They're, they're in your local community. They're, they're supporting um, their families. They're, they're in our schools, but you're not always aware of who is actually serving in the Guard. So as a community, how can we support our National Guard families? I think MSEC has really led the way on one particular thing that can be very helpful to the National Guard. The military student identifier has been adopted in several states and we're hoping that that will soon be a federal requirement. Having a military student identifier in our schools will create a greater awareness and understanding with the school leaders, the classroom teachers, uh, but it also will allow for academic support to be provided if that is needed. It will create a better understanding of why some students may suddenly have a decline in their grades and not be paying attention in class because their mind is halfway around the world with a parent that is serving. Something simple that we've seen many schools do 
is just a recognition ceremony on a Veterans Day or a Memorial Day if they're in school at that time. Having students be able to invite a parent or a grandparent or a brother or sister that serves in the military goes a long way to making our schools understand and and see how many military-connected young people they have. Student clubs, MSEC has a great student-to-student club that focuses on connecting military students to civilian students. Things like that in our school are very important. And I know I'm focusing on the child, but if you ask anyone who serves in uniform, what can we do to help? Nine times out of 10, they're gonna say, take care of my children, because if you take care of my children, I'll be fine too. Absolutely. I think, Anne, that was really great recommendations and some really great insight. Barbara, is there anything you'd like to add? Aside from the support given to individual families and individually to our students in school, you know, the one thing that I know I hear a lot of our service members say is the community needs to get out and vote. The people that vote uh, determine where our service members serve. Teach your children the Pledge of Allegiance, the National Anthem, flag etiquette, putting your hand over your heart, removing your hat. By honoring our our state and our country, we honor the people that keep us safe and give us the freedoms that we enjoy so much. And I think a lot of times people forget that. We, We were born here. We've grown up here. We've always had these freedoms. But there are people that are fighting now and that have fought in years past for these freedoms, and the way to show respect and honor is to honor the flag and honor their service in that way. It's it's something that it's small, it, but it it means so much to our service members to know that what they're doing is being honored and appreciated by those back here in in the United States. Ladies, I think you both have hit on some excellent points of including our National Guard families, not only in the military identifier at the state level, and I'm so excited that so many states are taking this on, but also in um, just even smaller gestures, whether it's a Veterans Day ceremony, whether it's um, just recognizing their dedication and their commitment to being in the National Guard. And you had mentioned, we Barbara had mentioned this previously, talking about the service family care member. I'd love to talk a little bit about this now, about what other active measures in the National Guard in your specific state that are they're there to support families. When Bob came back from Afghanistan, he saw the devastation that had taken hold of our family while he was gone. We have four children and um it was very interesting because our children were, were further along than than most families. But I had uh, a child in Ohio, a child in Atlanta, one child we had taken to, to college. And, well, both we, the, the younger two we had both taken to college, one was a freshman and one was a sophomore. So I was at home by myself. They were spread out. There was no real support for them. There was no real support for me. And when Bob came home, we, we finally talked about it because I told him nothing about the family situation while he was gone. When he became adjutant, that was that was our focus. And I say our focus because he was the one that drove the train within the guard to make the J1.1 happen, which is service member and family care. I was the one pushing it from this is what this is what the families need, this is you know, these are things that, that could help and just building that whole 
service member and family care. We, as I said, have 46 counties. The state is divided up into congressional districts, and we have seven congressional districts. And in each one of those congressional districts, we have what we call a one-stop shop. And those one-stop shops are there for not only active duty, but also retirees and any service member from, from any service. But we've got youth programs there. Um, we've got employment opportunities there. We've got someone there that's connected with the VA that can help with VA benefits, behavioral health, health and wellness, family assistance specialists, anything, as I, I said before, the five Fs, anything that, that would touch that family that they would need are located at these seven different one-stop shops. So they're there not only to support the National Guard, but any service member from any any service. That's really interesting, and I, I, I think Tennessee is also doing something similar. Is that right, Ann? Yes, it is. We have followed a very similar path because after 9-11, we saw that there were many, many programs that were being developed, but they were all working individually, sort of siloed. So uh, when my husband became the TAG in 2010, he created a J-9, which is focused on family readiness. And it's called J-9 because there were directorates for one through eight, but J-9 focuses particularly on family. And we refer to it as the circle of life because it was important to pull together all of those services that Barbara mentioned to work together as a team. It is everything from child and youth, all the way to funeral honors, and anyone who connects through any of our units across the state, either geographically or because they're in that unit, will be connected to the right resource. If our team members don't have the resource internally, they have already connected with community resources. So they truly do find the answer and supply that to the family member in need rather than having to pass them along to another office or another program. So it's it's incredibly important to make that connection. If someone has had the courage to reach out and ask for help, it's really important to us that they be surrounded by that circle of life. And now that we're on the retired side, we can see just how important it is to be connected to the family, even in retirement, and serving all military and veterans in our communities is something I just want to reemphasize because our team is there to serve the National Guard, but they're also there to serve the community. So anyone, even active duty, if they are living far from an installation during a deployment, can go to any of our armories that can provide ID cards and answer questions on insurance. They can connect retired families to VA services. There's a lot that they can do to assist not only the National Guard, but any military and veteran connected family member. Well, I have to say the the consolidated one-stop shop or the, the circle of life, I love that analogy, really sounds like a game changer for these families, especially when they're spread out all over the state. And we had talked about that earlier. You know, you have guardsmen in South Carolina in every county, and in Tennessee you have, have them in almost every county there. And typically they're not necessarily living close to military installations. And the fact that you brought up that these services are available for even the active 
exclusive, Judy. That's that's new information, and I love that because we'll definitely share it with our listeners, and it's one of the reasons I love this job. I, I learn something new every day. But I'm interested in sharing with our listeners, what are one of your favorite programs that are offered under the J-9 in Tennessee or the family care in South Carolina? Well, I know that every family member is important, whether it's a parent, a spouse. But my personal favorite is our child and youth program. We have a very active child and youth program with an emphasis on leadership development. We have two child and youth program coordinators that work across the state. And they do plan for a summer camp that's based on leadership, but they also fully support a youth action council that is a statewide council of team members. These teams come together, usually about 25 of them at a time. We challenge them to be better citizens. We challenge them to be ambassadors for the National Guard and advocates for all military-connected students, children across our state. So they also mentor the younger children. They serve as junior counselors at our summer camp. But I guess the thing that we're most proud of with our Youth Action Council is encouraging them to learn to tell their story in a two- to three-minute elevator speech-type method and to go home to their schools and preach the gospel of being a military child They make presentations to their teachers, their principals. Some have made presentations in front of their school boards just to raise awareness of what it's like to be a military child. And they also, as advocates, go to visit our legislators and our governor and talk to them about the importance of being aware of the impact of the National Guard because they serve our governor as commander-in-chief first until they're activated for active duty at the federal level. So they have made a tremendous impact. They've been involved in passing several bills, and they have followed the lead of South Carolina, and now in South Carolina and in Tennessee, as a death benefit for a family at the time of a funeral, the family is presented with a United States flag, and a state flag for the dual mission service. Well, Anne, I think that's wonderful. And for some of our listeners, you may remember an earlier podcast with Allison, one of our Guard youth, and she was a member of the National Guard Youth Action Council there in Tennessee. Barbara, can you share one of your favorite programs that's being offered currently in South Carolina? Sure. My heart is uh, with the children. I have, at this point in time, 11 grandchildren with number 12 on the way, raised my kids and helped raise a nephew and two nieces. So between the seven of them and the the, the 12 grandchildren, my heart is with children. And youth camp in South Carolina is a big thing for me. It's getting those children together. Some of them have um, loved ones deployed. Others do not, but they might have been deployed. But bringing them together for a week each summer to actually go through a military-style camp and and learning from one another and from those counselors that are there. Many many are volunteers, but then many are also within the Guard. Services are available if needed for the children, behavioral health, chaplaincy, anything like that. But for the most part, they're there 
to get together, to have fun, to forget that they are have loved ones deployed, and to enjoy being together and learning more about the military because they do learn what their loved ones do in the military. And it's just a great event. They, the older kids also have a service project that they go out into the community and do while they're at camp. So besides the fun stuff, the older ones actually have a commitment in the community to go out and make something better in someone else's life. So it, it's a wonderful program for the youth. And we have one staff member who always says there's always room for one more. I don't know where we put all the kids most, most years, but she's always got room for one more. So it's a wonderful program. Well, ladies, thank you for sharing that. So what makes our podcast unique is, is that we ask our guests to share stories. Do you have any final inspirational stories or messages for us that you'd like to share with our listeners? Susan, since you already mentioned Allison, I will give you an update on Allison. She was an amazing Youth Action Council member. And when she connected with her military peers, and learn to tell her National Guard story. It was great to see her confidence blossom. She developed amazing speaking skills and great pride in her family service, not just her father's service, but her entire family served. And since her high school graduation last year, she was enlisted by her father in the Air National Guard. She has started college. She has graduated from basic training for the Air Force, and she has earned her private pilot's license. She's amazing. She's currently attending avionics tech school, and she has a 95 average. So I'm always impressed by Allison and her story because I don't believe she had an interest in serving until she connected with her peers in the Youth Action Council. Her brother, Alex, also serves, and he's just returned from Afghanistan. So this family truly does represent the Guard. It is family. It is generational because we have lots of fathers and mothers serving with daughters and sons. And she is truly an inspiration to everyone that she meets. Allison is great. Thank you for sharing that, Anne. Barbara, what would you like to share? When you ask me about a story, I have to think about my go back to youth camp and think about my, my youngest daughter, Roxanne, who was a freshman when my husband deployed to Afghanistan. And through his service, she realized that she needed to serve others too. She did a lot of volunteering at school when she was at Furman. And then when she came home in the summer, I connected her with the youth camp. And she found her niche there. And so for the last six or seven years, she has gone in as a counselor. And she has taken the youngest group of, of campers and, and inspired them all week long. And I think her connection with her dad's service is what has pushed her to do that volunteering, to make life better for these children, to show these children that military service is something to be proud of and that she's so proud of her father's service that she wants to honor his service by serving as a counselor there for the youth. I think those are great stories, ladies, and thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to us and to share your knowledge and expertise with our listeners. I, I truly could talk to both of you all day long about the Guard. Your perspectives really give us a genuine picture of what it's like to be a National Guard family. 
And the National Guard, I have to say, is so lucky to have you both as the voice for their communities. And listeners, we're going to include on the website um, information that they talked about in terms of the J9 program in Tennessee and the Service Family Care Program in South Carolina. We will put those in the show's notes today. And we'd like to thank our listeners for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics in the future that you'd like to hear more about. Have a great day. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.